Come on in, sit back and relax. Listen to episode 151 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices around wealth management technology. Our topic for this month is TAMPS, Turnkey Asset Management Platforms. And we chose this topic because it's one of the areas we focus on. You know, so we're experts in TAMPS. Um, this is all we do is wealth and asset management. So TAMPS is a, is a big area of focus for us. We have worked with TAMPS as clients. Basically, all the biggest TAMPS have been our clients at one point or another, as well as their clients. Um, we understand the industry really well. We've helped some of them build their platforms or do M&A. We've helped uh, broker dealers and RIA select TAMPS. So we thought it was great to sort of dive down into TAMPS bring on some of the, the leading TAMPs onto the program, like today's guest, um, Evan Rappaport from SmartX. And let's hear from them and you know, kind of drill down into some of the technology, how it's working, what they're seeing in the industry, what the, some of the trends that they're seeing, and, and share that with you. Uh, but before we get into any more detail, I want to talk about our a data assessment service for enterprise wealth management firms. This is a, a product as we've launched um, uh, last year, and we conduct an in-depth review of your current data sources, your downstream consumers, your data utilization, your data infrastructure for any particular part of your firm, whether it's portfolio management, um, advisor compensation, any particular part you have trouble with. And then we deliver a comprehensive strategy and a roadmap to get your data architecture under control. For more information on Ezra Group's data assessment service, please go to EzraGroupLLC.com. Now, a couple of quick housekeeping notes before we continue. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to check out our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation at investinothers.org. And now, let's kick this thing off. I am excited to introduce our next guest. It is Evan Rappaport, founder and CEO of SmartX Advisory. Hey, Evan, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Craig. Glad you are here. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, where are you calling in from? I am in my office in sunny, hot West Palm Beach, Florida. So nice down there in the winter. It is. It's nice during the summer, too, if you stay inside or in your pool, right? <laughs> <laughs> the weather's nice, but, you know, it's, uh, it's not something we're, we're not built for, right? So, you know, it's uh, Florida. People, people worry about or talk about Florida in the summers. I got to tell you, growing up in New York my whole life, New York during the summers can get pretty bad as well. So, um, you know, not too bad of a place to be. Yeah, it's all the sun just shining off that pavement in Manhattan just kind of eats away at you. Oh, yeah. And wearing a suit and tie, right? Or just a, a you know, a business casual. You know, I used to walk home from work. I was talking to my assistant today, uh, 15 blocks to my apartment, and I'd be drenched. And I'd sit in front of the air conditioner like this. So, uh, fun times. I get it. Cool, man. Okay, so uh, let's get right into things. So uh, can you please give us the 30-second elevator pitch for SmartX? Sure. So um, at SmartX, we build unified managed accounts technology. Um, very specific. Um, it's certainly a niche within the wealth tech industry, but we focus on um, being able to provide a platform-based solution that allows advisors and broker-dealers to come in and choose from over a thousand third-party asset manager products. 
assemble those into a single account um, using advanced rebalancing functionality, substitutions, exclusions, proposal generation, tax loss harvesting, you name it, but really being able to run their investment practice entirety, entirely through SmartX, including the ability to even manage a portion of that account themselves. Last part of that is we also have a strong enterprise side. And so while we offer a front-facing TAMP, um, as I mentioned, we really focus on building that TAMP technology or UMA technology. Very few firms that do this. And as such, we look to power other TAMPs. And so we really uh, prefer and, and really aspire to be that Intel inside within all of the TAMPs out there in the space and look to standardize the, the technology so that um, everybody can utilize it in a, in a, in a congruent and, and sort of efficient manner. So when was it that you decided to shift to be more of a tech vendor than a TAMP? And why, why, did you, why did you do that? And what's the opportunity you see there? Yeah, it's a great question. So no one's really asked me that. You know, we were always a tech provider and we'd always planned on being uh, and building UMA technology. You know, at, uh, the firm is not new. We've actually been around for 20 years. And prior to this, we built hedge fund technology, which is very advanced, right? So, you know, black box and such and, you know, really advanced stuff. And, and, and so when we, when we looked at this space, the managed account space, and we first uh, sort of uh, blueprinted out our, our, uh, our, our thoughts and, and our, our design, um, you know, we built this for hedge funds. And so when we were thinking about UMA technology, we were thinking about it in a way that really has never been thought about before. And we didn't come from this space, right? We came from the hedge fund side. So I didn't even know what a TAMP was when we built this, right? And so we just built what we thought everybody would want in today's markets, not knowing what was out there currently. And so sometimes ignorance is bliss. You put blinders on and you just build. And so some of the, the, the benefits that came out of that you know, lack of knowledge and building included the ability to provide real-time trading, right? Um, which was important to provide sleeve-based architecture because we were building for hedge funds long and short. And so if we had 500 Apple short and 500 Apple long, we couldn't just show zero. We had to show the attribution. And so some of the, the hard stuff that we had to do for hedge funds really led us to building advanced technology that is so applicable to the current long-only and existing uh, third-party asset manager uh, structure and 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 uh, products that are out there that it just it just uh, worked wonderfully. It was a, a really nice surprise for us to recognize that we were building this technology and to see that you know it could advance the existing space uh, so far. You don't normally hear that that ignorance is bliss and you start building without really knowing, but. Seems like it worked out. Like that was the right way. You, you weren't you didn't you weren't uh, tied down by a lot of the legacy thinking. Well, you know that's a, ignorance in the sense that you've got to remember where I come from, right? So I come from hedge funds, and by the way, I don't think a lot of people know this, but I personally am an advisor and a broker, right? And I still maintain my licenses. I'm Series three, seven, twenty four, fifty five, sixty three, sixty six, seventy nine, fifty five. I've lived this my entire life, so I'm not building something that I hope or I think advisors may use. No, I am the advisor. I've been frustrated. I've sat with these legacy tools and they don't work or they don't work as well as they should. And so that's what I built. I built for what I needed and what I knew, you know, uh, the, the industry needed to be able to um, invest in those types of products in this specific way, in a more modern way, Craig, because look, if it was 
30 years ago or 50 years ago and, and, and models traded every quarter or once a month, it'd be different, but they don't, right? We're in a very fast moving market. We're talking about three to 5% daily, intraday sometimes. You're watching like yesterday, markets swing five, 600 points. You, you can't use legacy technology and trade these things a day or two later. It doesn't work. And when I realized, you know, for us, we're dealing with hedge funds. They have 250 positions long and short. You can't trade that stuff next day. So again, we did what we, ex what we thought everybody would expect in today's market, understanding we were working at a higher level, but being able to, to take that same complex uh, technology and bring it back down to the level where it really works properly with long only um, and, and gives advisors the, the responsiveness that they expect from trading and technology in 2022, not 1995. When you built out your platform, you built it out all API based and you pushed into microservices. What, how'd you see that coming? And a lot of firms didn't build it that way. They built it you know, old, on the old school uh, very, very insular. So why did you build it that way? What did you see in the market and how is it helping you now? I got to tell you, Craig, your questions are awesome. It's, it's really great to talk to somebody that kind of knows this space in the way that you do um, because, you know, the APIs are so important, right? And as a technologist, you almost look for industries that have not been advanced. It's like a gem in the rough, Right, you you say to yourself, I can't believe no one has taken this in 25 years and built modern technology. And so, you know, we saw this within the the managed account space um, that there just wasn't a means to be able to take those component parts and utilize them in again another ecosystem. So we wouldn't want to build this stuff. It's super complex and really expensive, right? Like we've spent what. $30 million, like it's very expensive, right? And we just raised $30 million. And so for someone or some firm to take this project on and think that they can do it with a couple of million dollars and continue to optimize, it's never going to happen, right? And so if there was technology out there that could do what we were looking for, we would have bought it and leased it in a heartbeat and focused on the others. But it wasn't, right? And that was the opportunity, Craig. And so it was only because there wasn't something available that we recognized that that was the opportunity, that we could jump in there and we could provide that technology for others that were looking for the same solution that we were looking for. Now, as it relates to APIs, we were always a technology firm. As I mentioned, we built um, hedge fund technology previously. And so, you know, we were always, I think, on the, the cutting edge, the, if you will, of technology. And so building with APIs was commonplace. I mean, it was just, you know, you, you almost couldn't envision building a foundation that wouldn't be open architecture because that's the way modern technology is built. We all, I think most of us know now that there's not one firm that is expert at, is going to be an expert at everything. And we also know that even if they go out there and buy other firms, it doesn't mean that they're going to give you an integrated seamless solution, right? A good experience. And so, APIs naturally make sense, and that's why the whole industry uses them, at least the modern industry, because it allows you to do what we've talked about for me to just and for us to build our specific piece and then take other experts on the tax side, on the planning side, on the reporting side, and plug them in. Additionally, what I also knew in being an advisor and working in this space is that 
Every advisor uses different, not every advisor, but, but many advisors use different tools. So not everybody uses the same tools. Some use Money Guide Pro, some use eMoney, some use Orion, some use Tamarack, some use Black Diamond, et cetera. And so if we're going to build for the modern marketplace and the, the modern broker dealer and RIA environment, well, then we need something that's open architecture where those advisors can continue to use the tools that they love alongside of SmartX. And that's why we chose the APIs. Now, the second part of your question is even more interesting, which is the microservices. Most people probably don't even know what that is, right? And so microservices, of course, allow us to have multiple servers um, as opposed to the single server. And so that way we can deliver the information back faster as opposed to hitting the monolith with all the, the, the queries, right? And so Netflix uses microservices. They were one of the first, right? And so there are, there are a few firms that sort of took that leap. Well, as a small firm, which we were only a couple of years ago, right? I don't know how much people know about SmartX, but we've, you know, we've grown a lot since the pandemic. We were about a billion and a half before the pandemic. We're now just about $29 billion. So you know, we've seen tremendous growth. I think it's the fastest growing TAMP ever um, you know, over that time span. But, um, but when we were still nascent, still feel like we're nascent, but when we were still nascent, you know, we had an option and I had to make a decision. It was, we could build functionality like tax loss harvesting. We didn't even have, right. And some of this other functionality, or we could convert to microservices. So we had already built our platform out using APIs. And for those that know technology, it's, um, it's laborious, right? You've got to build every single API, every single bit of information that comes out of SmartX today is driven by an API. It's API first. So we built that first, but then as time progressed, Craig, we saw that we were starting to slow a little bit, right? And when you'd click the page and go to the next page, it would lag a couple of seconds, right? And so you think about the future, and sometimes you have to make that big investment, take that step back to take that step forward. And we spent about a million dollars at that time, which was a ton of money for us to recode everything into microservice API. And we pushed off some of the other technology because we thought about the long-term growth. And what that allows us to do today is to handle millions of accounts without slowing down one iota. And, uh, and the system is incredibly fast and the experience is really good. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is running the Invest in Others Awards, which is a program that recognizes the charitable work of financial advisors in communities across the country and around the world. Awards are presented at their signature event, the annual Invest in Others Awards Gala. Over 600 advisors and financial services executives attend this premier event to celebrate those individuals that actively give back to their communities. I've gone to, I think, the last three award galas. They had to cancel it for COVID, and then they canceled it again last year, uh, 2021. Uh, it was normally in September, October timeframe, but hopefully they'll have it again this year. So there are five categories of awards that recognize, uh, recognize the distinct ways that advisors have made a difference through their work with a nonprofit. So the nominations deadline is April 1st. That's less than a month. Just go to investinothers.org and you can click on the nominate, uh, click here to nominate link and nominate an advisor. Um, if they win in one of the five categories, which are Catalyst Award, Community Service Award, Volunteer of the Year Award, Lifetime Achievement Award, and Emerging Impact Award. They can win, let's say, finalists in all categories receive $25,000 for their charity. The winners in the Catalyst Community Service 
Next Gen and Volunteer of the Year categories receive $50,000. The advisor who uh, receives the Lifetime Achievement Award receives $75,000. That's a lot of money for a charity, can really help. I've uh, been lucky enough to be on the, the nominated committee, the, no, the awards committee, the judging committee for a bunch of these different awards. It's really hard. These advisors do some great work, both local communities in the US, in South America, in Central America, in Africa, in Asia, across the world, uh, and right here at home. All kinds of great uh, stories, great charities that help people of all uh, ages, shapes, and sizes. You should uh, uh, nominate someone and also donate. Your company will probably match your donation, which provides twice the benefit. Please go to investinothers.org. Thanks. One of the things you mentioned when we were talking uh, before the podcast started about how you're, you see yourself as a Shopify of TAMPs, like a Tampify. So how, how should people consider that? And what does that mean to be Tampified? Yeah, so I actually bought that name, I think, at a point, Tampify.com. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's um, a lot of folks are looking for, uh, that is, firms are looking to become sort of TAMPs or TAMP lights or something like that. And so, you know, when I think about the Shopify Tampify, it really does give you that same experience. You know, Shopify, you can bring them the product and they do everything for you. Same thing here. So when I think about Tampify, if you're an asset manager or you're a broker dealer or an RA aggregator, right, we can come in and we can build you a proprietary solution, your logo, your look, feel, et cetera, whatever you'd like uh, there, or you could build it also. But then you have the full chassis. And so you can tell us and say, we've got our own models. We want you to charge X. We've got these third-party manager models. We want you to charge Y. We have the platform. We want you to charge X plus one. For this client, we want you to charge X plus two, right? And so you have all of that flexibility because you truly own the platform. So you can set the manager fees. You can set the client fees. But one of the other big benefits we find, Craig, is that currently uh, there's only a couple providers that offer this type of service, but they don't allow you to negotiate the manager fees because they are making a market in manager fees. And what I mean by that is they've negotiated a fee uh, with the manager and they may receive, again, a piece in the inside or something like that. We don't do that. We're very transparent over here. The managers charge what they charge and we reflect that. So when I say Tampify, if you have a lot of assets and you're running your own platform, so to speak, on another service, you may be able to go back to some of those managers and you have a lot of assets with them and ask them if they could take a little bit less, right? Because they're currently taking less with the other provider anyway. And so instead of 35, maybe you can ask them if they can take 25 so you can still keep your assets with them because now you're building your, that 10 basis points on a billion dollars is a lot of money, right? On $500 million. So I go back to Craig, it really allows you to run your own business. We're not giving you this handcuffed or, or uh, you know, version of our technology that, you know, has uh, fees built in for us. No, it's yours. You do what you want. You tell us what to do. We'll run it all for you. We'll run the technology. We'll do all the trading. We'll do all the billing. We'll send you a check at the end of the month. And so I will, we will run that business for you. And to that end, we have clients that we do that for, um, you know, one of which we're running a, a $75 million annual business for them currently. So it's, it's, it's real money, right, that we're talking about here. Um, and very often you're going to help the end user by giving them a better experience, better technology, and maybe even a lesser cost. So win, win, win. I like the sound of that. 
Win-win. Uh, so let's move on to the next segment in this uh, episode. Let's talk about trends. I'll talk about TAM trends. You've been in the business for a while. We, we like to, whenever I call you, I always talk about trends. Um, you built your own UMA rebalancer and something at Ezra Group we're experts in is managed account rebalancing. It's one of the first projects we, we did in managed accounts, building a rebalancer. I know it's a non-trivial task. You built your own and you've replaced some of the big legacy UMA platforms. How did you do that? How is it possible? What are some of the trends you're seeing in UMA technology? Well, I think, um, you know, certainly rebalancing is commonplace, of course, but the ability to rebalance with precision and drift is is somewhat newer, right? And I think, you know, when a lot of folks think about rebalancers, they think about the traditional rebalancer that balances uh, rebalances individual equities, but they don't think about a sleeve-based rebalancer, right? And that is really unique because, and this goes back to what makes SmartX unique, is that we keep our investment book of record at the sleeve level. Every other firm is keeping their investment book at the account level, not at the sleeve level. They're trying to do sub-accounting and trying to back it back in and such. What happens is it's not clean. The cash maybe is not right. The tax is not aware. Maybe you do tax law tagging, but it's not tax aware relative to the sleeve, which is not, you know, it's not nearly as good. And so because of our architecture, uh, that is the, the investment book at the sleeve level, it really gave us the ability to then build tools that are specific to those sleeves, including that rebalancer that is so um, uh, so efficient and so um, effective, right? It's very, very precise. Um, and, um, and so I think that's why it's gotten so much traction, Craig. It's just, it's, it, you know, without going into the, the guts of the algos and how they work, but you can imagine rebalancing a sleeve, which is, you know, 30 securities versus another 30. But then even underneath that sleeve, you can make adjustments within and you could have a sub account within that account that also rebalances. So, wow, blow your mind. The complexity of the levels, one on top of another, on top of another, rebalancing all those in groups and individually, because outside of just the sleeves, you also have rep as a PM. So you can add Apple or a mutual fund, and then it's going to rebalance those individual positions versus the sleeve-based positions, right? So it gets crazy, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. Thank you for recognizing that, Craig. And it's, um, it's a really great tool um, and something we're really proud of. Um, and, you know, just to, just to further on that, there's a couple of tools. We didn't talk about this, Craig, earlier, but a couple of tools we built for advisors that are kind of unique to SmartX that I think are, are really interesting. Um, one of those is a cash management tool that we built that allows for automated re required minimum distributions and automated dollar cost averaging. So, you know, in working with advisors, um, one of the, the best parts of doing that is, and owning a technology firm is listening to them and then building technology that they really want and will use, right? A lot of people don't do that. They just build. And like I said earlier, they kind of think that someone might use it. No, we want to work alongside of our clients. Like we've got 120 employees here now. We've got 70 people on the tech side. Let's build it. Let's build something really great that everybody's going to use and everybody's going to want, right? So that's what we did. Why not? Right. So it's fun. And that's what we did with this, this cash tool. So now the advisors, they don't have to put sticky notes or their uh, admin's going to remind them to do an RMD. Cause if you miss an RMD, it's not good. Now you've automated that process. It automatically frees it up, rebalanced or pro rata, whatever you want. Same thing with dollar cost averaging. You have 10,000 in there every you know week or every month, it'll put a thousand dollars into the rebalancer and uh, allocate uh, across all the different models appropriately or however you want to allocate. So little things like that are kind of cool things that we've built, right? We talked about the real-time trading. We talked about the breadth of product a little bit. Um, we talked about the sleeve-based architecture. We talked about the open architecture of the platform. So let's talk about a little bit more about the UMA platform. So you, uh, I want to congratulate you 
on your recent uh, deal with Morningstar. Congrats Thank on you. that and your investment. So they invested in you as well as took you on as a vendor. How did you, what was one, if you pick one thing, what was the one reason why? Because they already had a platform. They've been running, they've been in Tampa for 15 years. They're, they they replaced their vendor with you. Um, what was the one, if they pick the biggest reason why they did that, uh, what, what, what would you say it is? Oof, it's tough. I mean, there are a couple of big ones. One is, the, is certainly the APIs, right? Being able to take, you know, the component pieces that they needed and ingest them and build them into their own ecosystem. When you look at Morningstar's new direct indexing platform that's about to launch in the next week or so, right? Um, you would never know that Smartix is on the inside there, right? Um, same thing with their TAM, right? So, you know, we become a piece on the inside that they can pull in through the APIs, um, manipulate in a way in which they need or optimize, and then go ahead and, and utilize. You can't do that with any of the other technology. That in itself is enough for most firms to say, we need to use SmartX because we don't want to use this existing legacy monolith, right? Um, because we don't need it, right? We've got our own tools. Like Morningstar's version of SmartX will be really interesting. And the Morningstar project is, is multifold, right? So, you know, one, um, I think the APIs were important. I think the trading technology was really important, Craig, and then being able to, you know, make sure and understand that the data is, um, is correct and accurate on a constant basis. Um, even if they're not intraday trading, because a lot of their products are mutual funds and such, and so they don't need to intraday trade those. But just having that visibility and understanding that the data is accurate and, and the intraday flexibility, whether it be freeing up cash or, or whatever it is, is, is really important. You know, it's, um, you know, the RA Biz article that you referenced, one of the, the, the notes that they mentioned, I think is important. And that is, you know, liquidity is an important part of being an advisor, right? Like part of being a fiduciary is making sure that you provide your clients with liquidity when it's available in marketplace, right? So if you have two products that are sitting side by side and they're the same product and one's illiquid and one's liquid, as a fiduciary, your responsibility is really to choose the more liquid product because if something was to happen, you want the liquidity, right? Let's take this as an example. Markets are moving substantially day to day. You know, now it's a three to 5% is like average for the market, right? Well, what happens when the client says, and the client has a $5 million account with you, and they say, you know, this market, Craig, it's not good. I don't like what's going on. I don't like this whole war and deflation. inflation. Just get me out. Sell. Sell me out. And you go to sell, and you don't get out that day because you don't have liquidity. And you don't get out the next day because that's just, you didn't meet the window. And now you're on the third day or the second day. And now the account's down 7%. What happens? You just lost that client $350,000 because you didn't have liquidity. And on SmartX, you could have clicked that button and been out in five seconds, right? Been out in five minutes or whatever that time is. That is, it's, uh, it's disconcerting. It's, um, it, it's, it creates liability. And I don't think it gives clients the experience that they deserve, right? Like they deserve liquidity. And so, you know, we provide them with that. And, um, and so anyway, so that doesn't answer your question of that last part about the SmartX, but I think, you know, liquidity is part of what they're looking for. And the last part I'd, I'd add to that is that the, you know, Morningstar is an exciting opportunity. I'm really excited for that firm. Um, they're such a great organization and we're really close, you know, even with Kunal, their CEO, but, you know, what they're going to do over there is not only transform their existing TAM, but they're going to expand that TAM to now include other third-party asset managers, right? So currently Morningstar is a product-based TAM. There are two types of TAMPs, product-based, their own product, platform-based, other third-party asset managers. On the platform-based side, there's not a lot left. There's VestNet, us, and the asset mark, right? Now, uh, or Adhesion, which is now AssetMark. Not many other places you can source third-party asset managers, right? And so now Morningstar, uh, in time here, will look to integrate 
twofold. One, we will take the existing TAMP at Morningstar. We will expand that to include, they will expand that to include other third-party asset managers in a more curated form. So call it um, asset mark like SEI-like, right? They'll be not only advising on their own strategies, but they'll also be including third-party asset manager strategies outside of Morningstar in their TAMP. And they'll have a rated, which would be nice because they have the Morningstar ratings, right? They'll have a rated uh, TAMP of like 100 products or so that'll be Morningstar. The next step will be integrating directly into Morningstar Office, right? And Office will become this really powerful tool, all cloud-based, right? All optimized now for modern, you know, for 2022 with modern technology. Um, you know, they've hired some really great people over there and that will have all the investment management built within. And there are no other products today that really do that. To be clear, Black Diamond doesn't have an integrated solution. Tamarack doesn't have an, Orion doesn't have an integrated solution. So Morningstar, which is like the phoenix from the ashes, Craig, right? Like I love the Morningstar story because they're great people. They've got a great product. Um, but their tech fell behind a little bit, right? And now they've got the chance to catch up and they're going to do that with the most powerful UMA technology. I say that humbly. And, uh, and they're going to come out with a product that can really compete with the likes of InvestNet and the others. So that, that's a really exciting. Well, I think Orion is working on integrating their acquired TAMPs into their platform. So that's some complication yeah, but, for you. Well, no, no, Orion. And by the way, we're very friendly with Orion. We, uh, I like those guys a lot, right? So I like Orion because I like the vision. I like Eric's vision. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's really focused on FinTech and, you know, really understands the space and the component parts necessary to put together to create a, a cohesive experience, right? Um, but, but, but Orion is mostly product-based camp, right? You have a lot of Brinker and now you have Town Square, Right. And um, and so they don't have the full third party asset manager suite. Um, and so you can't take a client from InvestNet and move them onto Orion like you could with SmartX or Adhesion. OK, because of those third party asset managers. Now, one day I'd expect in, uh, Orion to get there. Right. And they will be that you know comprehensive player. Um, but right now, Morningstar will be the only reporting solution that will have the fully integrated solution unless Orion can catch them up. Um, and, and, and I will say, we are in the process of integrating with Orion currently. And so we will, you know, if you're an Orion user and you're a SmartX user, like you're able today to see all of your sleeves in Black Diamond, that's very unique to SmartX. We talked about the sleeve-based architecture. We deliver that through the reporting platforms. So currently, if you use InvestNet and use Black Diamond, you just see an aggregate group of securities. You have no idea who they're assigned to, the delineation, performance of the managers, et cetera. With SmartX, you are able to see all those sleeves, the performance, the holdings, et cetera, in Black Diamond. We're going to be doing the same thing for Orion users now also. So they too can have that transparency and uh, be able to use Orion to its, its fullest, uh, you know, with all of its, full, uh, its functionality and to, to utilize its full benefits. So that is very exciting. And, and we're really optimistic about the relationship with, with Orion. Excellent. All right, let's uh, get on to the third topic, which is use cases. So we got a lot of broker dealers very large RIAs listening to this program, if they want to work with, or not also asset managers listening to this program. So if they want to work with a SmartX, can you use a use case? Um, I, I think that we had three use cases we talked about. First one was RIA aggregators or broker dealers looking for a solution. Um, can you give can you walk us through the use case and how that would work with SmartX plugging into there? Yes, absolutely. So if you're in, you know, if you're in, well, there's two kind of uh, clients there, right? One, there's one, the traditional RIA, a couple hundred million dollars. You're looking for 
better experience, service, technology. Again, I say that humbly, you'll make your own decision. Um, but a different offering than what's out there currently, we'd love to bring you on. You know, one of the one of the aspects that I I, I really uh, deterred was <laughs> was the uh, or disliked rather was was the the lack of service I was getting from some of the providers. And so, you know, one of the the the, the, the parts that I focused on here at SmartX um, was the service, right? And really making sure that we surround our customers with customer service. And so that includes relationship manager, client advocate, customer service rep, and live chat. So our clients can always get someone on the phone. And let me tell you something, the advisors love that. They love the ability, Craig, to be able to rebalance their accounts and see them rebalanced in 15 minutes, right? And to do trades and see them actually happen intraday, right? To make adjustments to client portfolios and actually have those respond. All those things that you get from SmartX that, you know, are currently not out there in market, I think are great. And, um, you know, advisors really like those. Now, to that end, there are some things we don't offer and some things that some other firms do offer, right? And there's always going to be that, you know, that uh, qualification of a client to determine whether the solution is appropriate for them. You know, I'm not going to say every solution is appropriate for every client because it's not, right? And so that's part of the, the, uh, the process that we work through with clients. But, you know, very often we're able to decrease cost and improve the experience with the traditional broker uh, an RIA. Now for the aggregator, it's a much different story because then we're building a business, right? So for that firm, we do one of two things. One, we create a profit center for them where they can come in, they can, you know, proprietary help us uh, or work with us to build a proprietary solution. Again, we'll do everything. Um, they just tell us which pieces to put in place, um, but then they figure out the fees and then we obviously, um, you know, create that revenue center for them. Or if they don't want to create a revenue center, they could just pass it right on to the, the end user and give them the best possible cost. It's up to them. But very often as we we know uh, broker deals and RIAs, they have to keep the lights on. And so this is a good way for them to do that. And we help them to do that. So that's the, that's the use case for broker dealers and for RIAs. Cool. Um, let's move on to another use case. So as an asset manager, you, you spoke about uh, to me uh, before about, about a $20 billion asset manager. They tried building their own TAMP and they spent millions to do it and they, and they couldn't do it. And they brought you in. Why couldn't they do it? Uh, and what did, you, what did you do for them? It's another great question. You know, it's really, really hard to build TAMP technology. It's what we talked about, right? And so, you know, putting a couple of guys in, or, or gals in a room and, you know, putting some spreadsheets together, it, it's not going to work. It's not scalable. Whatever money you spend, um, it, it, it's almost like it, you throw it into the fire because, you know, this isn't, uh, it's not a static product. It's not something you can build one time and just forget about, right? It's continually being optimized and needs to be, um, you know, uh, maintained, right? And, you know, I think, you know, like we talked about, I've got a hundred and something people over here, 70 just on the tech side. If you think you can do that kind of work and maintain it, good luck. So what happens when folks do that is they end up with a substandard product. But what most people forget about is the liability, huge liability. You make a, a trade, you do a calculation wrong and you make a million dollar error. Guess what? You're never getting E&O again. You're not going to be able to manage money because once you put through a claim in your E&O, you don't get a second shot. Right. So there's a lot of liability to what you're talking about. So you're giving clients a lesser experience. You're creating tremendous liability for the firm. I mean, heck, you could put the firm out of business. That's crazy. Right. You're talking about multi billion dollar firms risking their entire business on technology, which is not what they do, as opposed to licensing it for a couple of basis points. So for those asset managers, right, or whatever the cost is, um, but for those asset managers, we created a product that 
allows them to do the trading. And this is something new. So I'm glad you asked about it, Craig, because it's something we did even for Morningstar, right? So typically we'll do everything. We'll do the trading, the billing. We do everything for the firm. But for the asset managers who want to be able to handle some of this themselves because they have some traders in-house, they've already built some infrastructure and they want a lesser cost, we now have a solution for that too. So we'll organize, we'll do all the recon, we'll do all the corporate actions, we'll do all the trade, you know, but, but, but we'll prepare the trades for them and then we'll give them a tool and they can click the buttons on their side. And so that reduces the cost tremendously um, and, uh, and decreases the liability because we're preparing all the trades and do all the recon for them and they're just clicking the buttons. Now, if they click the wrong one, that's on them. But if they click the green one, not the red one when they should, everything should be great. And so thank you for asking about that. It's, it's a really exciting product. And it's to your point, it's one the asset managers are looking for. A lot of the asset managers, the large ones, they have like, you know, a billion or two or, you know, 500 million, whatever the number is of these smaller accounts that came in via SMA direct. And it's hard for them to manage those, right? Um, whereas with a TAMP, you're managing at scale. We'll now make that easy for them, right? We'll organize everything and we'll make that process super simple for them. Very, very excited about that. And if you're an asset manager looking for a solution to administer those, you know, please reach out. Love to talk to you. Evan, you, I want to push the red button on this one because uh, you, we've run out of time. You've said it all. Uh, can you tell people who are listening where they can find more information about SmartX? Uh, so you can come to smartxadvisory.com. I think that's our website. I come here that often. Hold on you sure? No. You want to be sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> smart x I'm pretty sure that's it. Uh, yeah i think that's it also yeah smartxadvisory.com um, not tampify.com smart no, what happens when i plug in tampify? you should plug that in uh, you should redirect that one I, I you know what i'm going to redirect it because i definitely own it um no actually it says no it's well that's weird it says for sale 76.95 interesting I'm uh, seven seven thousand six hundred ninety five. I'm pretty sure I own it, so I don't know how right. that's out there. But anyway, yes, you can find me. That's a long digression. Smartxadvisory.com um, and uh, or on Twitter, or on the internet, LinkedIn, whatever. We'd love to talk. Great, to Evan. You. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it, man. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for having me, Craig. Hey, it's Craig again. Um, my takeaways from this episode: I really enjoyed talking to Evan. I've been following SmartX for over five years. I was looking at my notes. I think my first conversation with Evan was back in 2017 um, when they announced their deal with um, SSNC. They were exclusive to them. They're exclusive UMA provider for a number of years, and that really got them on the map. It was a great deal for them. Great deal for Black Diamond as well on an Advent. But they had now they had access to UMA technology, which they did not have before. So um, love what he's doing with SmartX. And uh, the Morningstar deal, obviously a, a big a takeaway that they closed that. They managed to get that deal, um, not only as a client, but as an, as a, as an investment. That's huge for them. Morningstar, um, uh, clearly one of the biggest vendors in the space, big, biggest names, um, moves SmartX up the, the food chain. Um, their UMA technology is very strong. We've always liked it. We've been following it for years. It's how they win deals uh, from some of the biggest providers. And we're pretty impressed by that. So, and, and as I said on the, in the interview, um, we've built UMA technology. We've built our rebalancers uh, from scratch, as well as helped some of the biggest firms enhance their rebalancing technology. So we're, we're pretty, pretty much experts at it. And I know a good platform when I see one. And finally, trends, um, direct indexing uh, is a trend we're all seeing. As, uh, as Evan mentioned, uh, Morningstar's new direct indexing platform is launching, I believe, at the end of this year, powered by SmartX. Uh, so we're seeing more and more um, direct indexing platforms. And I think a Shirley report talked about they believe 30% of all assets will be in some sort of direct indexing product 
in the next few years. So something to keep an eye on. All right, you've made it to the end of this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Every month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management, goodness, news, analysis, links, and other stuff. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening and talk to you all again next time. 